Welcome back, guys. This is a micro episode of If I Only Knew, where I want to throw something to Matt that's really been on my mind recently, and it's a really fascinating little thing that I've experienced in my home life with my daughter, and it's the concept of books. Matt, how do millennials read? Oh, what a good question, friend. So you didn't give me any chance to prep for this. This is uh, right off the bat. I love this. People like these these micro episodes. I've had great feedback to say it's good when you guys just pick a little topic and have a chat yeah. because you talk less. <laughs> no, it's fantastic. I really like this question because I've been a huge reader since about year three, um, probably far more so than vast majority of my peers. Um, because, But I, I have a strange story with that because I refused to read anything except nonfiction books up until I was in year three. So that was what, I was 10 years old. So, you know, that's a pretty long part of my life where I just refused to read not, uh, fiction books. But then I found the right series for me. And it started with a, a serialized novel set called Geronimo Stilton. It was just a silly adventure um, book full of jokes about rats and cheese and stuff. Um, and then I found some fantasy series. Del Toro Quest in particular is a book that um, anyone who's been through school around my generation may be familiar with. Yeah. And that started started my fascination with fantasy books. And from there, I just started gobbling up fantasy series. I, I was reading book after book after book until I reached some of the really, um, the pinnacle of the epic fantasy work like Brandon Sanderson and Tolkien and um, Patrick Rothfuss, which are all quite prominent modern fantasy authors. And so I think that in that regard, I've been heavily involved in reading, Fred. Like, it's something that I've just loved and I've found so much joy out of. Um, one of the most important things in my life, perhaps. But I've always seen many, many people of my age totally not get it, totally not participate in it, right? And um, I personally blame it on the fact that they don't read the right books for them. And I kind of blame that on the English system at school because we get forced to read books that, in my opinion, just aren't all that exciting to most young people. And then that becomes the standard that they hold books to. So I would often, in school, people would see me borrowing like three new books to read for the next fortnight. And they'd be like, why the hell are you doing that? And I'd say, it's because I want to read these books. And I would ask them, what books have you read recently? And they would say, well, none or the English book. And I'd say, well, maybe you'd like this book instead or consider giving this book a go or even just a simple, like, don't give up. Keep looking for yep. stuff that you might enjoy because I think I had the luxury of getting into reading before it got tainted by that because I started in primary school, not middle school. Yep. Um, and so I knew in the end, my guilty confession is I never read any of the books they sent us in middle school because they were boring as hell. And I had plenty yep. of other books that I wanted to read. I was still getting decent enough marks and I just didn't want to read them. But I had the luxury of saying, I don't want to read those books because I knew I liked some other books. I want to ask the question of you, when you read a book, are you reading a book or are you reading a book on your iPad? I always prefer physical copies. Yeah. Every single time I want to read a physical book. And I found, in fact, through a lot of trial and error, that if I'm reading a book for the first time, if it's the first read of a book, I actually need a physical copy to enjoy it properly, which I was quite surprised by. Because when I was very just started out reading some books, I just say stuff it, I'll make do, I'll, I'll read the online iPad or Kindle. But... I've now decided, no, it hampers my enjoyment quite considerably. So I try to only reread things online. But if I'm reading a book for the first time, I personally insist on hardcover. Um, the problem there, of course, is travel because I've done a lot of my reading when I travel um, yeah. on planes and buses and whatever. Um, and the 
convenience of electronic books is just outstanding because you can fit a hundred of them on a Kindle. And I, um, I've definitely gotten a lot of value out of that. So I think that when physical books are an option, electronic books suffice. It's really interesting, actually, because my daughter at the moment is in year one mm. and they read a book a night. That's our obligation. Yes. And she's a really good reader. Um, and what I find interesting is that she, that they have done a, a specifically targeted approach to say the books you read have to be a physical book. Mm, mm, mm. So if you're reading a book on the iPad, of which we have many, that's okay but it's got to be a physical book to count. Yeah, yeah. And I've noticed that the way she reads a physical book is very different to the way you read online, which is interesting as well. Now, as I've gotten older, there's two things you talked about. One is the idea of books in school. So I'm older than you, and picture this Catholic boys' school, Yeah. and they give us a Jane Austen book, okay? Where the most exciting thing that happens is some chick falls down the steps in Bath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And it's written in very uh, turn-of-the-century English, although rather very proper. Exactly, yeah. And I'm telling you, those books would have been read by 10% of people. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did read those books. <laughs> I hated them. Yeah. And much like you, I've always been an avid reader. I will say as I've gotten older, and I suspect a lot of people around my age uh, and older have this experience where you get to a point where the physical luxury of books competes with how much shelf space you've got. <laughs> yeah. And so I find myself now almost exclusively reading, and you can imagine from my work as a director of a business as well as a psychologist, I read a lot of nonfiction. Mm. I much prefer that in short form, like journal articles rather than yes. textbooks. They, textbooks don't have a lot of play in my life anymore. Mm. Uh, they're just not as quick as the journals that we consume as part of our professional development. With that said, um, if I'm reading fiction, it's almost exclusively absolutely unrelated to the work that I do. Mm -hmm. Um, The crossover between Matt and I, and we do have a commonality, is this sort of high fantasy, um, swords and magic sort of stuff. I just finished a book called The Coward by Stephen Arian, which is fantastic, terrible last name, not a political philosophy. (laughs) And one of the things I find really interesting about those books is there's always parallels to the real world Mm -hmm. in inverted Mm -hmm. commas, but... They, they are so steeped in, in what is unreal and fantastic. And I think one of the things I've noticed about books recently with the pandemic is this pop-up of community libraries, these mm, little things that yeah. we have in Sydney, little holes in the wall, little sort of big birdhouses people stick their books in, come and grab what you want and return a book when you're finished. And I suspect I'd love to get some stats on whether or not reading went up during the pandemic. Mm, mm. Well, I think we, we all had to find ways to entertain ourselves, but I wonder if the entertainment is, is moving away from books. It's interesting that you have such a priority on the screen books, for these e-books, because I think that the, the attraction of them is that convenience, isn't it? Yeah. But I've spent all my life on screens, and so there's something very um, appealing to me. It's almost a luxury to be able to sit down one evening with a book I know I'm going to enjoy and yeah. just read a physical book with a light. I feel very proper, like I need a tumbler of whiskey and a cigar in my yeah, smoking oh, jacket. Okay. You know? so. And, and it's, it's like this luxury, this, this real lovely thing to do. And I don't get to do it often enough, but it's interesting how something that perhaps in the past is relatively mundane, such as reading a book, has become a luxury for me, perhaps because I spend so much time
time and my leisure and work time on the computer. So having something physical in front of me is a pleasure that's a bit uh, divorced from that. I do love, I just want to point out to our listeners there, you can tell Matt grew up in the mean streets of Melbourne when he talks about a good book, a cigar, a tumbler. He's probably got slippers on, a smoking jacket. I picture him with a pipe, you know, that sort of thing. This is the, the mean streets of Melbourne where Matt comes from. One of the things I, I think that there's three reasons why an iPad beats a physical book for me mm. every time, mm. okay? One is when and where you can read it. Mm-hmm. The second is shelf space. Mm-hmm. And the third is when you get a bit older, Matt, you realize an iPad has a feature that a book doesn't, which is the capacity to raise the size of yes, the font. Yes, my parents both use that, Fred. <laughs> Thank you again for making me feel my age, Matt. Um, I think we can all agree on one thing. You've got a Gen Xer here and a millennial that would both say, go out there and grab a book. Mm. Find the one you like. Don't listen to anyone else about it or or listen to people who share similar interests to you. It it frustrates me to no end when people say, I don't like books. No, you simply don't like the books you've read so far. And uh, it it gets on my nerves when my friends lose all this great experience because they're tainted. Don't don't get what you were made to do in school Mm. twisted with the joy of a book. Mm. All right? Mm. What are you reading? at the moment Matt can you oh. give anybody we are we are not paid by any publisher or author any any books you can put out there for the world absolutely um, <laughs> good god I love talking about this um, if you have any interest in fantasy whatsoever Brandon Sanderson is in my opinion the most excellent of fantasy authors and if you need a place to start look into his Mistborn series you Fred might have a, a particular interest in a book called The Way of Kings which is his um, flagship for grand fantasy series his grand epic yes yeah. I've already read it you have oh amazing yeah. I love it because of the way it seems to me to grapple with real world issues like depression anxiety and oh. mental well-being yep. and does it in such a generous and powerful way I've just finished the most recent book of it the fourth in the series and I grew up with this series I started reading it when I was 12 and I could not stop bawling my eyes out at the end of it and I'm not a hugely emotional person but it just speaks to me it really strums a chord somewhere Fantastic. I'll give a couple of recommendations. There's one I saw as a stage play first. Um, that sounds really weird, but it's about an individual's experience of, of autism. I've got to find it. The book's title is The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime Sky. It's a brilliant book, made a fantastic stage play. I got to see it on the West End in London, which is wonderful. For those that don't get into reading, particularly men, if anybody ever says to me, what would you read or what would you recommend? Anything written by the author Lee Child is fantastic. Mm. He has a, a character called Jack Reacher. Oh, yes. Jack, Jack Reacher is the the modern-day Lone Ranger. Mm. Uh, very easy reads, very fast-paced. The way he writes, start with his original books, not the, the most recent ones. It gives you a bit more context, but the character... You know, what some of the best lines I've ever read, for example, a pool cue is second only to a shotgun in a barroom fight. <laughs> and then he takes a pool cue and smacks about 13 people with it. Another author that I really like in that same vein is a guy called Don Winslow. My favorite book of all time is called The Winter of Frankie Machine. Mm. And it is a brilliant book about organized crime. Oh, cool. Um, 
there's one book that I really recommend. I just got to find it. It's called The Mind Hunter, and Netflix has turned it into a series. Mm. It's actually a work of nonfiction. Uh, for those that can stomach true crime, it's the guy that created or was instrumental in um, perfecting the art of behavioral analysis for the FBI. Right. And in the book, he outlines interviewing some of the most notorious serial killers in human history. But he does it in a way that doesn't freak you out. I, I don't mind a bit of forensic stuff. But guys, go out there, grab a book. And I, I ask the question because I'm seeing more and more young people around me really absorbed in books. Mm. And uh, whilst we might make assumptions about what younger generations do, I think there's something a bit timeless in that regard. Mm. So thank you all. Thank you, Matt, for a question without notice on our mini episode about pick up a book. Mm. Excellent. Thank you, Fred. That's always love talking about that. We will see you guys again uh, next week Mm -hmm. with some interesting insights, uh, some deep dives. But that's it for this week. Thank you all. Thank you, Matt. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening. This podcast is a Better Pod Group production, with special thanks to our researcher, Nicola Binks, executive producer, Matt Blanche, the providers of our theme song with credits that are in our bio, and of course, you, the listener. It's important to remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Whilst there are therapeutic themes discussed, in no way is this podcast considered treatment, and in the event you're in a psychological emergency, please reach out in whatever way you can through 000 or Lifeline 13 11 14. It's important to remember that the discussion is for entertainment purposes and the opinions voiced by podcast hosts are theirs and theirs alone. Any reference to copyright or copywritten material is, of course, the copyright of the copyright owner and or relevant corporate entities. Thank you for listening to Bed Pod Group Productions and tune in to some of our other excellent pod productions on this network.